All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Tuesday, January 31st edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We're streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, as well as, of course, dailyfaceoff.com. He's former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna, now current Daily Faceoff analyst. Mike, how you living? Hey, man, I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm good. I'm just wondering about you. I mean, Pond Hockey All-Star, living it up in Alberta, dude. How are you doing after the big trip out west? <laughs> Uh, I would be better if not for a 10-hour and 54-minute delay on my flight yesterday, which brought me to my front door at 5.55 a.m. as opposed to 5.55 p.m. But, uh, yeah, it was a day. But we had a blast out in Jasper, uh, thanks to Tourism Jasper and the Jasper Park Lodge. That was an unbelievable trip and uh, great time with Tyler and all the crew at Oilers Nation. But, Mike... As I'm sitting in the Denver airport yesterday, major trade happens, perhaps maybe the biggest that we see in the deadline period. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's talk about the Vancouver Canucks shipping captain Bo Horvat to the New York Islanders yesterday afternoon in exchange for Anthony Beauvillier, Atu Ratti, and a 2023 first round pick that is top 12 protected. Here's where that pick gets interesting is that it is not lottery protected for 2024. So if you're thinking that the New York Islanders might be bad next season and you're the Vancouver Canucks, you're betting on that. 
But I think the big thing is when you look at this from a New York Islanders perspective, do you like the direction that they're heading? Lou Lamorello needed some goals. He gets one of the premier goal scorers of the season and plugs him in and certainly going to help their power play. Or do you think that this is the New York Islanders further kicking the can down the road for a team that maybe isn't very good? You know, Frank, it's a little bit of both, but if I'm in that locker room, if I'm a New York Islander, I'm amped about this deal because the Islanders haven't been able to score all season long, man. Like they, they, able, they were able to mask it early in the year, but lately, man, it just hasn't been there. And you think about how this team has just struggled with it. Like they're 31st in the NHL at 15.5% on the power play. Okay. Their shooting percentage is 25th. Like if you, if you're trying to bring in a player that's going to change that, if you're Lou Lamorello, who's fits that best? Bo Horvat. Okay. This guy's got 11 snipes already on the power play this season, 31 on the year. He's going to help the power play. He's also going to help at five on five. He's a responsible player that fits that team ethos. And if you're Lamorello, you got to give your chance a team, your team a chance to compete because they're not close to doing a full rebuild at all, Frank, or any type of free rebuild in my eyes. So, I like this deal. I'm, I'm not as worried about the return or that aspect on it. Beauvillier, to me, you know, he was underperforming. So this gives a shot in the arm. I still think they need a puck-moving D to help complement Noah Dobson. But, Frank, this helps the Islanders, and they are still in the thick of it in the East. Yeah, there's no question that it helps the Islanders, as Lou Lamorello, who doubled down on his roster in the summer, essentially now has tripled down. Further, I guess, mortgaging the future in this case, when you look at you taking your top prospect in Ratty and also your first round pick, they haven't picked in the first round since 2019. So no question that Bo Horvat comes in and helps. The big question for me is, what does the extension look like? Because we all know it's coming. Mm -hmm. Sources indicated that uh, those with knowledge of the Islanders thought process, they were not pulling the trigger on this deal unless they believe that Bo Horvat was re-signing. I think they're kind of just giving it a little bit of time to breathe. The Canucks, to my knowledge, did not give any negotiating rights uh, to Bo Horvat and his camp beforehand. So I think they didn't want to pump out a contract extension yesterday just for optics sake. But I really don't have any doubt in my mind that that's coming, whether it's you know eight times eight or maybe even a little bit north of that. That's probably the sort of neighborhood that Bo Horvat is living in after his magical contract year. So let's flip it and take a look at it from the Vancouver Canucks perspective, because you hear Patrick Alvine, their GM, frame it and say, essentially, we got three first rounders here because you have the first round pick, of course. Raddy was a first rounder. Beauvillier was a first rounder. So I would agree in that they are first round equivalents is what you would call them. But in this case, when you take a look, the Canucks have essentially basically, in, in my opinion, been uh, hamstrung by their thought process here in the sense that they want to retool their roster, right? They don't want to rebuild. So they didn't want to go all futures. And when you go this route and you pick up guys like Beauvillier and Ratty, what I think it does is it ratchets up the temperature for you to get the trade right. You need to nail all of the pieces in the deal if you are going to retool instead of rebuild. And I just don't know that we've seen enough from Beauvillier. Uh, I certainly don't know enough, and, and we no one knows enough about Ratty to make a decision one way or the other. But in this case, what's the ceiling for Beauvillier? I don't know that it's all that high. And that, for me, kind of changes the optics of the trade. What about for you? Well, I agree, because Beauvillier is a reclamation project. You know, it, just over $4 million and. 
you know, probably gearing towards maybe 15 goals on a season. Like that doesn't equate, that doesn't jive, and there's a year left on his contract. So the part of it is that I think it's probably the cost of doing business, Frank. Like Lamorello had to move that deal out in order to get this done and good on him to be able to rid himself of a contract that wasn't great. Um, but you look at the Canucks and again, it's just, this is a lot of down the road. Like Raddy is, like he's still up in the air, Frank. Is he, he's probably, from people I've talked to that have played, I think he's probably a third line center, reliable, smart. Maybe he could play some second line, um, but that's not really a game changer. And then the first round pick might even be in the next year. So I, I from the Canucks perspective, I would want futures. I wouldn't want to keep going this route. Now you got Kuzmenko and Beauvillier taking up cap space that they've been trying to gain or say that they're trying to gain. They really haven't gained a whole lot, have they, Frank? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it remains to be seen. Like I said, you're just really hoping that Ratty becomes the player that you think he might be. And I think just mm -hmm. we've seen enough from Beauvillier to this point, it's a, a rather large sample size to be able to make a judgment call one way or the other. Maybe the silver lining from a Canucks perspective is that your team may now be in the lottery chase. You've traded essentially a 31-goal scorer for a 20-point player. That's a big piece out of your lineup, and yet probably still more to come for the Vancouver Canucks as we are 32 days away from the NHL's trade deadline on March 3rd. Mike, since we've, we're closing in on the All-Star break, we're in bi-week season, it's time to take a look at some disappointments and surprises from the unofficial first half of the NHL slate. I want you to give me your biggest disappointment from an individual player perspective this season. It's Jonathan Huberdeau of the Calgary Flames, and it's probably low-hanging fruit. He's got 33 points this year, 10 goals in over half a season. Last year, he had 85 assists and 115 points. He played all situations. To me, was a contender for the Hart Trophy at times, and at $8 million, or sorry, eight years at $10.5 million. Boy, that contract looks really rich for a player who's well less than a point a game, and the way he's butted head with Daryl Sutter is is kind of problematic to me, man. So um, as far as disappointments, I'd say Huberto. I also think Matt, think Matt's Pacioretty kind of fits that mold, not because of his output on the ice. He's hardly played. It's just that he's been hurt. He hasn't been that catalyst that the Hurricanes were looking for, the top-end sniper. Um, so for disappointments, that's mine. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Calgary Flames, and I'm going to go with Jacob Markstrom in net. Uh, big money contract for a goalie, someone that has been pretty consistent. But when you go from a 9.22 to somewhere in the mid-8.90s this season, your team is going to suffer as a result. And so I think the big thing for Markstrom is trying to find his game over this All-Star break because they're going to need him in Calgary if, he's, if they're going to get back into the mix uh, in the Stanley Cup playoff chase. Give me your biggest surprise from an individual perspective this season. Well, it has to be Phoenix Copley goaltender of the LA Kings. He's five, or he's 15, three and zero and started the year in the American Hockey League with that team having no intentions of him playing in the National League for the Kings this year. Cal Peterson gets sent to the American League. Uh, Jonathan Quick's eight, 12 and four. So you look at the run Copley's been on, he's just given stable goaltending to that team in LA. I've been really impressed. And I'd also tip my cap over to Josh Morrissey of the, of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, half a point a game guy who's now performing oh my guy. almost a point a game place. So yeah, we'll continue on. Why don't you tell us why you like Josh Morrissey so much? 
I mean, north of a point per game for a defenseman that has sort of been in, in the 30-point range for his entire career and, and frankly recognized previously as one of the better shutdown defenders in the game, his hockey IQ and intelligence off the charts, uh, has been such a consistent player for Winnipeg. I just, who saw this offensive explosion coming and what did Rick Bonus do or say to get this out of him? That, I think, is the key question of the Winnipeg Jets season because he's been nothing short of a revelation, Josh Narcy. Uh, let's continue our deadline countdown series, Mike. And today we'll be focusing on Patrick Kane of the Chicago Blackhawks. I think everyone's wondering, you know, you've got this conversation that's supposed to be coming in mid-February between the Hawks and Kane and Taves Camp. They're both represented by the same agent. They both have the identical contract and full no move and no trade clauses. So they can determine if and when and where they go. And in this case, with Patrick Kane, I think some teams are wondering also in what's been a down year for him, not just south of a point per game, but also shooting percentage is way down at a career low 6%. Is this a guy that's just in a slump? Is he dealing with an issue of you know, perhaps motivation? What's the deal with uh, how's the contract and the potential trade impacting his season? And of course, the nagging injury that had kept him out of the lineup for a few games. Those are all big question marks for teams, Mike. But when you take a look at some of the potential fits that I've drawn up here for Patrick Kane, there's really no shortage of them because who couldn't use a player of Patrick Kane's caliber? But we've got the New York Rangers, the New Jersey Devils potentially. Uh, I believe the Rangers right now at this exact moment in time are not focused on Kane. Uh, their number one target, I think, is Timo Meyer. Uh, what about the Vegas Golden Knights, Mike? Uh, they're a team, if Mark Stone is out for the remainder of the regular season, have $9.25 million in salary cap, cap space to throw around. And Kane is also a right winger. Like Mark Stone, you know they love to make a splash. I could see Kane as a fit with the Dallas Stars. And even the Los Angeles Kings, a team that could probably use a little bit of a boost on the right side of their lineup as well. When you think about all of those teams that I just mentioned, who stands out to you as the ideal fit? Well, I've thought Vegas for a while now, especially if Mark Stone's out. And you mentioned the reasons why. At 9.25 in cap space, they could pick up Kane and get a decent shutdown defenseman if they if half of Kane's salary is retained by the Blackhawks or a third-party broker's it. So um, I think he'd fit there. I like him in Dallas a lot. I know that Dallas team is pretty good, but they could use a little bit more juice. And to me, like Patrick Kane is still giving you power play points in the same percentage that he's always had. I mean, 25, 30 points a year, he's projecting out. He's still on that pace this year. It's just his five on five that's a little down. So I'm attributing that to somewhat being his nagging injury uh, and possibly just also he doesn't have the same type of line mates that he's had in the past. So um, I like him in Vegas if that team, you know, you're going to have, but you'd have Kane, Kessel, like, boy, it'd be like a, an all-star team from five years ago. Um, but that seems to fit their mold. And and I wouldn't count out Jim Neal in Dallas, man. I think that'd be a crafty play for him to come in and, and augment that team uh, probably in a second-line capacity. Quickly, I forgot to mention Toronto. Uh, what do you think about Kane potentially in the Leafs? I think he'd muddy up their top six, to be honest with you. And I don't think they need a whole lot of help on the power play. So I would allocate my assets elsewhere if I were the Maple Leafs. Man, Matthews and Kane, potentially two of the best American-born forwards of all time. Uh, that would be something to watch. I can assure you of that. Let's take a deeper dive into the Bo Horvat trade with our friend Thomas Trance from The Athletic in this week's edition of the All 32. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's right. Pleased to welcome back our friend Thomas Drance of The Athletic to talk about the Bo Horvat trade in this week's All 32, which is delivered by our friends at Montana's. Thomas, uh, so much to process and what a backdrop you've got here. This is just like top quality stuff we're talking about here. Hopefully you are in Florida or somewhere warm enjoying this uh, bye week and uh, and, and uh, all-star week. But when you take a look at the, the return that the Vancouver Canucks get, you've been hammering the table hard, saying the Canucks need to rebuild. They're not doing that. They're retooling. Are they in the return that they got here? Did they get enough? And are they a slave to essentially what they want to do in terms of that retool instead of rebuild. Yeah, I think what I like about this trade is that the best assets they've got coming back are true future assets, right? In in Atu Ratu, you've got a 20-year-old um, forward prospect. I know there's some skepticism in the industry. A lot of a lot of talent evaluators don't view him as a lock necessarily to stick at center, but I know the Canucks do. So uh, nonetheless, 20 years old, not 24, not 25, 20, right? That's a future uh, a high-value future, in my view, anyway, especially because he's only on the first year of his entry-level deal. Then you go through to the first-round pick. It's a true first-round pick, right? This isn't getting the Boston Bruins 2023 first. Uh, the New York Islanders are not a lock to make the playoffs. Uh, there's top-12 protection on it, but it could convert to 2024 unprotected. That, to me, is the highest upside piece that the Canucks got back. And sort of, when I think about the overall need... That the, the Canucks had to fill, like what I wanted to see from the Bo Horvat trade. Number one on the list is I wanted to see them get an asset that could, not as guaranteed to, but could alter the trajectory of the franchise overall. And that conditional pick, at least, I mean, it's a long shot play. We're probably talking about like plus 500 for it to end up in like the top 10 in 2024 or whatever. But nonetheless, it's a long shot bet placed that could significantly accelerate what this team is looking to do with the future in mind. So I liked the sort of future forward 
aspect of this deal. The Beauvillier part of it, Frank, confuses me just a little bit because, you know, when I look at this Horvat package, one thing that strikes me about it, and, and let me know if you agree with this, but it's pretty conventional, right? The pick, the player, the prospect. I mean, that's as classic a trade deadline return as you're going to get for a player like a Bo Horvat. Um, and yet, when I consider comparable values, and I know you've done some really good work on this yourself, you know, I think about Giroux going for what? Tippett, a first and a third. I think about the Duchesne package between Ottawa and Columbus. That was a first, a conditional first, which you couldn't, you know, do anymore because of changes in the CBA, but that was conditional on Duchesne's uh, signing extension. Uh, a high upside prospect in Vitaly Abramov, a third. Um, and then you think about, you know, the JP Pajot deal, first, a second, a third. All of those deals didn't include the team making that trade, taking back a significant non-expiring salary, which the Canucks have done in Beauvillier, which sort of changes this up. You know, I, I'm curious to know if that's just the cost of doing business in the flat cap era. Do you have to help a team out to get a conventional trade deadline return uh, with the with sort of the premium placed on cap space these days? Or did the team just really like the player and sort of undervalue the part portion of the return that was their cap savings, both in the short and long term from having moved off Bo Horvat? That's sort of the big question that I have remaining. And I think we'll get a sort of better answer to it as we get closer to the deadline and see other teams jump into the pool. Yeah, and I had that same thought about Beauvillier. Is is this one of those, you know, kind of second chance type of players that Jim Rutherford had talked about previously that they're trying to get mm. some value of? Or is it just that cost of doing business? I suspect more of the latter. And that kind of leads to my question here. I mean, if if they're taking on Beauvillier, if they've just, just given Kuzmenko another deal, how are they going to yep. mine out the cap space that's been talked about so frequently by the Canucks? Well, I think all eyes have to turn now, particularly in the wake of the club committing, what, another $10 million on the wings in Beauvillier and Kuzmenko over just the last five days. All attention's got to turn to Brock Besser and, and Connor Garland. I, I think it's no secret that this club's been disappointed by their performance. I don't know that either is necessarily um, a player that fits the template of, of what Jim Rutherford wants in terms of, you know, you, you better be either fast or big, right? <laughs> or, or score a lot. And, and neither player has done that. Uh, those, those names loom large, I think, going into the offseason. And you just hope, like, at least I hope, that a team with no straightforward path, in my view anyway, to being, you know, even competitive for a playoff spot next season, like, I hope they don't consider things like buyouts or retaining significant salary in order to facilitate those deals, um, you know, consistent with the logic of getting that sort of high value, high upside and conditional first and Atu Ratu, you know, I hope the team's able to take a longer view and, and not sort of cut off their nose to spite their face to try and crowbar open a window to make the playoffs again next season with their other moves, especially on the wings where they are so overweight in terms of their cap investment at that position. Thomas, uh, you kind of touched on it in the first answer, but I'm curious, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, the idea of taking on Beauvillier. And so if, if you're talking to some talent evaluators and they respond and say, the Canucks got essentially what they believe is two third line players and a first round pick in return for Bo Horvat. Yeah. At the end of the day, is, did they get enough? And you see a report 
from Kevin Weeks this morning saying that the Canucks mm-hmm. did not shop the deal uh, that they had in place with the New York Islanders, that they like this package the best. My, my question is, why now? Like, why so early ahead of the deadline did, you, did the Canucks feel the need to pull the trigger? Yeah, and you know, it's an interesting, interesting one, Frank, because Canucks fans are pretty excited that the team has just made like a classic future forward deadline de- trade. Um, you know, there's obviously some regret in losing Bo Horvat, some second guessing about the steps that the club took to get here vis-a-vis the JT Miller extension, vis-a-vis the Kuzmenko extension, and then trading Horvat. But for the most part, Canucks fans are just relieved to see this team make a future forward move. So when I wrote in The Athletic that I thought the return was a bit underwhelming, um, I was pretty heavily criticized for that. And yet the conversations I'm having with talent evaluators and people in the industry match the tone of what you just sort of laid out. Like, the you know, a lot of these players are viewed as relatively low upside. And I really like the short position that the Canucks have effectively bought against the New York Islanders. I think that's the part of the deal that sort of makes me a bit higher on it than my industry contacts. But I'm pretty surprised by how down most of the people I've talked to in the business are about this deal. And I suspect it's probably, in part, explained by some of what... Kevin Weeks is is hinting at there, which is, you know, there there's a sense that there might have been better offers out there available to the Vancouver Canucks, at least in the estimation of the industry. Now, I think the Canucks obviously really valued getting Ratu back. I think that's a big part of this. And I wonder about this as another part of it. You know, when the Canucks come back from the All-Star break, Frank, they're going to regroup in Newark. And all of a sudden, you've got your new head coach. The Boudreaux drama is behind you. But Horvat has already been traded. Andre Kuzmenko is already extended. And all of a sudden, this season that's been characterized by a remarkable amount of drama and speculation, and not just the obvious, like, you know, Boudreaux twisting in the wind for months and months and then doing so in a really ugly way for 10 days, not just the will they or won't they trade their captain stuff, not just the Kuzmenko speculation and, oh my goodness, how much is he going to earn given his production? Uh, but also, obviously, like the HRC complaints, the, the fact that there's a human rights tribunal case against the club, the family court proceedings against Francesco Aquilini that spilled out into public view. I mean, it's been a, a season from hell, absolutely, for this franchise with so much of the attention on the young and the restless soap opera off the ice as opposed to just the normal day-to-day experience on it. And all of a sudden, when this team re- regroups in Newark, you know, on, on the 5th of January, like almost a week from now, Like, what's the sexiest storyline remaining around this club? Like, what's Luke Shen going to fetch at the deadline? Like, does Ethan Bear sign an extension or before the club has to give him his qualifying offer? Like, all of a sudden, the drama around this team could be dissipated. And I wonder if just, like, turning the page, getting back to the routine, the day-to-day, getting back to what Patrick Alvin referred to as his job to create a safer space in the locker room for players, I wonder if that was part of the logic of doing this deal as expeditiously as the club decided to, because look, all of a sudden it's going to be a fresh day in Vancouver and you kind of can't put a price on that for a team that's been reeling all season long. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I've been saying for the last two weeks as they made the coaching change, Thomas, that I thought they wanted to get as clean a break as possible to start fresh. But I just wonder what the long-term ramifications of that are. It's real nice to have it, but in an already lost season anyway, if you could have waited and and carried out the drama for a few more weeks to potentially get a better trade return, 
uh, maybe that would have been worth it as well. Uh, nonetheless, the Canucks won't have to wait very long to see Bo Horvat in a New York Islander sweater. They'll be on Long Island just nine days from now, February 9th. Can't wait to see it. Thanks to Thomas Drantz for some incredible insight on this week's edition of the All 32, which is delivered by our friends at Montana's. Montana's is bringing back the viewing party all season long. Today's daily special is $5 tacos. Look at those tacos. You think $5? That's a meaty taco. Look at that thing. If you head over to our Instagram or Twitter, you can win a $25 gift card as well at Montana's. Thanks so much, Thomas. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, Mike, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag AskDFO. And now that Bo Horvat is traded, the number one player on our trade targets board, a new list coming out Friday. Which big name trade is next to happen? Which which guy do you think is next to move? Well, you mentioned him already. I think Timo Meyer might be the next out the door. He's a pretty attractive piece on the right side. I think there's teams that really like him, and San Jose would probably like to get a jump. I think it might be similar to when Tyler DeFoley was traded by the Montreal, Montreal Canadiens to the Calgary Flames pretty early last year. I would want to get Meyer integrated to my club as quickly as possible. How about you? Yeah, I was going to say, don't estimate, underestimate the power of the bye week. Bo Horvat, he was actually vacationing with his family in Disneyland before Disney World before heading to uh, the All-Star Weekend in South Florida. And just the idea of being able to get settled, you don't have to rush to the next city, maybe go and find a place to live, get your family moved in before having to play games again, be an incredible bonus of the bye week. I'm going to say one of the St. Louis Blues. I think uh, Doug Armstrong, the Blues GM, is getting a little bit antsy, whether it's Ryan O'Reilly or Vladimir Tarasenko, maybe one of the lesser-known guys in Barbashev or less-focused guys, Nico Mikola. Uh, I think something's happening, something's uh, brewing with the St. Louis Blues. Let's get to Tyler Uremchuk in our points bet daily bet segment. Tyler, quiet slate this week. That means an opportunity for you to hone in on a game or two that you really like. What do you got? And that's what we did yesterday. We were profitable in that Jets game thanks to Blake Wheeler picking up a last-second assist. So we'll look for back-to-back -back profitable days. So let's dig into the slate, courtesy of our friends at Points by Canada. Two games that I have placed for, and I'm actually going to start with that one at the bottom. It's the Sens taking on the Habs. And I thought about the over 6.5 here, but Anton Forsberg could be the guy for Ottawa, and he's starting to play a little bit better. So instead, I'm targeting the Senators' offense. It is worth noting that Jake Allen is starting for Montreal. He's allowed a 11 goals in his last three appearances, 24 goals in his last five appearances. So I like taking the Senators to go over their team total of three and a half, paying minus 120. This team scored 13 goals in their last three games. So they're hitting this number pretty consistently. I like eyeing them up at over three and a half and taking Claude Giroux to get an assist as well. Four straight games with an apple for Claude Giroux. This thing is paying close to even money on points bet. So I like hammering that as well. And for that game up at the top, that's where I'm going for my shot prop, actually, and it's Brent Burns. He's starting to heat up a little bit. Early in the year, he was a lock. His line was going up at three and a half, and he was still hitting it a ton. Kind of cooled off in the shot department earlier in the middle of the season, and now he's starting to get going again. He's hit it in four or five, and I love it at a minus 120 payout. So it's the Burns shot prop. It is the Senators team total at three and a half, and it is Claude Giroux to pick up an apple, Frank. Love to see it, Tyler. That brings us to Garbage Time with Mike McKenna. And Mike, one of my favorite times to check out Instagram. It's Halloween season for the parties. 
and also now the all-star break and bye weeks love to see the players firing up those private jets heading off to an island with their teammates somewhere and posting some ridiculous photos do you have any bye week and or all-star break stories yeah, uh, when I was in the Florida Panthers organization, my goalie partner in Springfield in the American League, Red O'Bara, decided to fly to Switzerland. Eight-hour flight, Boston to Geneva, door-to-door. Guess what? Panthers needed a goalie over that break. They couldn't get Red O because he was in Europe. So I got the call, and I got to back up a couple games. <laughs> Pretty bold move on his part. Uh, I don't think I've really seen too many players go to Europe, but Red O decided to make that decision, and we saw him when he came back from the break. Yeah, Red O'Bara's decision put some bucks in your pocket. How about that? It was nice. And then he did it again. at uh, He did it at All-Star and at Christmas, and both times I managed to get called up. The other time he was in New York City, and they couldn't find him. Love to see it. Can't wait to head to uh, South Florida tomorrow with Tyler for some All-Star Week festivities. Mike, thanks so much. That'll do it for this week's edition of Daily Face the today's edition, excuse me, of Daily Face-Off Live. Thanks to Thomas Drantz, our head of production, Alex Allard, and, of course, Tyler Uremchuk. We'll be back with you 12 noon Eastern on Wednesday. Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis will have you covered. And Tyler and I will see you from South Florida on Thursday. Till then, have a good one, everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.